0: as always, am your host, Richard R.J. Escal and continuing our Labor Day 2023 coverage. join us once again, I always look forward to our conversations, economist, economic historian, and Professor Richard Wolf. He is the host of Economic Update on Free Speech TV. His latest book is The Sickness is the System, and who better to talk about labor and Labor Day with than Richard Wolf? So first of all, welcome back to the program. Thank you, RJ. Very glad to be here. Well, we're glad to have you. And and I'll tell you, one of the things that strikes me, and I keep thinking and talking about with regards to Labor Day, and I have for years, is one, the United States might be the only country in the developed world that, cevel- that celebrates its version of International Workers' Day, or it's also called Labor Day uh, in some places, but normally it's May, it's May 1st, uh, most places around the world. And yet in the United States, it's celebrated uh, in September. And the other thing that I think distinguishes the United States uh, Labor Day, perhaps from other Labor Day celebrations, that there's very little said about labor, it seems to me. We don't commemorate it the way uh, this country commemorates some other holidays, and certainly not in ways that seem to be specific to the idea of working people and their rights and their contributions. Am I being overly cynical? No, I think you're being actually very kind whatever the opposite of cynical
1: is you're more tilting in in that way (laughs) it always struck me as like that yeah yeah, okay it always struck me as bizarre because yes around the world may day may 1st is the day that you have these events Uh, um i know from france uh, my father was born in france so i have a connection with that part of the world um it's an enormously important holiday for the labor unions for socialist communist and other working class political parties they have celebrations they have parades i even remember when i was a child here in the united states where i was born and raised uh that there was once upon a time labor day parade a fairly big event in my the various communities i lived in where the unions would get out there and march and and talk about what they did and the work that they contributed to the community and so on, most of which are gone. I'm not even aware that there are Labor Day parades. And if they are, well, it's testimony that someone like me, who would be sympathetic, doesn't even know about them. And then here's the ultimate irony. The reason the rest of the world chooses or chose Labor Day on May 1st is be in memory of and in commemoration of and in honor of something that happened in the United States, mm. namely in Chicago, back in the toward the last part of the 19th century, I believe 1876 or around there sometime, uh, a demonstration happened in Chicago to win at that time for working people an eight hour day. The normal length of the working day in the United States at that time was 10 to 12 and even 14 hours a day. And working people could not have a life if they worked that many hours a day and were fighting all over the country for a reduction of the working day to eight hours. And they had a big rally in Chicago, as they had in many other American cities, uh, in support, working people going out in the streets, peaceful demonstrations 99% of the time, uh, in Chicago as elsewhere, pushing for the, the uh, eight-hour day. But in this one, somebody, and it was never clear who, shot a gun or a few guns went off. There was shooting. And before all the, you know, the tumult had subsided, there were shot people. And then the police went on a vendetta because they were blamed for not keeping the peace and fingered anarchists. In those days, that was a popular person to hate, anarchism. You know, it's before the Russian Revolution, so socialism and communism weren't yet the bugaboos that they became later. Uh, So it was the bad guys were the anarchists. And so a couple of them were blamed and they were killed. They were hung. They were, they were executed. And this seemed a terrible travesty to working people all over the world. After all, the demonstration which caused all of this was for an eight hour day, which was a noble objective. Therefore, you know, it it was a kind of catastrophe for the labor movement and to honor those who had come together for the noble purpose of winning the eight-hour day, which eventually was the law, uh, people decided to celebrate on May 1st because that's when that demonstration was called for. So here you have the United States in one of its many, many labor struggles of the 19th and 20th centuries, Um, celebrated around the world, except in the country where the event actually happened. And if people are wondering, yeah, it was during the Cold War, a century after this event, that the Cold War-dominated U.S. Congress decided deliberately not to allow, not to support or encourage an activity in honor of labor and labor's struggles on May Day, like everywhere else, but to instead have a different day to kind of spit in the face of everybody else. And the American labor movement, by that time, having been badly injured by the pro and anti-socialist and communist struggles in the labor movement coming out of the McCarthy area, and they went along with that and what that effectively did is isolate the united states make its celebration of labor not occur with that of the rest of the world and that did work to diminish the whole attention you know the world we would be more likely to make bigger deal of it if we were reading in our newspapers about the enormous demonstrations and gatherings and celebrations around the world on may 1st than we are now when we are the only country doing anything and and not much at that
0: and one is tempted to say in response to all of that richard wolf that perhaps the concern here uh on the part of the people uh, in power deciding not to make it much of a holiday is a fear of what might be called in other circles, class consciousness, that if people become aware that I, as a, clerical worker have more in common with a sanitation worker and a factory worker and a cab driver and a, you know you go down the list than i do with the boss at the end of my hall or three floors up uh that maybe that's uh, you know a holiday that encourages me to remember that solidarity is a bad idea from their point of view does it does that make sense? Absolutely. And think about
1: how careful and supportive many, many American cities are, uh, if there's a, a, a proposed activity around an ethnic group. You know, here in New York City where I live, we have Puerto Rican Day and we have Jamaican Day. Day, and I could go through, you know, St. Patrick's Day and all the rest of it, where we celebrate either Irish people or Caribbean people or whatever it might be. That's considered noble. You're, and it, it, it celebrates your identity as an Irish person or a Jamaican person or an African-American or whatever it might be. Uh, and we do the same, by, by the way, for athletes. We close the entire city so, uh, joggers and runners can have the run of the city to celebrate. Well, what? To celebrate running? Running is, involves many, many fewer people than the labor movement does. What? I mean, the labor force in this country is measured as 160 million people. No ethnic group has that, you know, with the exception maybe of whites in this country, and, you know, they are presumed not to need it. So labor has needed it, labor has always needed it, and it tells you something about the ideological aura or atmosphere here in the United States, that this is one kind of Identification, one kind of identity politics that is not encouraged, not celebrated, not financially supported, by the way, as all of these others are, some more and some less. But I think there's a special, there's a special meaning this year, because over the last year, maybe two or three, we have seen a resurgence of the identity of a working person as such, the pride people take in being part of that, the anger they felt when they were given verbal recognition during the pandemic, when we all depended on an army of workers to enable us to get through that difficult time, and the gap between that and the recognition socially we don't get As working people this has mobilized everybody I mean I'm a professor graduate students across this country are joining unions forming unions fighting collectively for good contracts doctors who never did this before are doing it across the country in one medical complex after another and that's on top of what we've seen with Starbucks or Amazon or all the other and not only that, we're watching really impressive union victories. What the Teamsters got from the, uh, UP, the UPS, United Parcel Service, uh, what the, what the auto workers are demanding in, in Michigan around the stri- the, the building to the strike, uh, early in September that is either going to happen or they're going to have to get a contract way better than what they've gotten in the past because they also have elected a new leadership that is demanding that. So you put all that together, and we have more reason for a labor celebration of its own renewed strength, of its own renewed recognition of its importance, uh, than ever. So there's something poignant if we don't acknowledge and celebrate Labor Day in the way we ought to, which is, in this case to celebrate the renewed energy, the renewed vigor. Public polling shows that the the mass of Americans now support labor more than they have in many decades. So the militancy we see around us has not diminished. It has done the opposite. It has encouraged more and more people to think positively about what a union represents what it means that labor is organized to push as a unified group for the benefits its people need. And it's one of the few organizations that really can say that it speaks for the majority of the people of this society in a way most other groups
0: you can think of cannot do. So uh, a couple thoughts that, I, uh, uh, first of all, uh, you know, I think your analogy uh, with, first of all, the, you know, various uh, demographic groups and pride days and then the day for running uh, uh, resonates for a couple of reasons. One, Thomas Frank, the author, uh, a friend of the show, uh, he made a point that uh, really stuck with me because I was staying in Chevy Chase, Maryland at the time, uh, which was that you see all these Yard signs in liberal, in front of liberal houses that say, you know, I don't know if you've seen them, but in this house we believe that you know everybody is welcome love is love uh you know all these uh uh great and of course we agree with them platitudes about you know uh, people should uh, love whom they want people should it doesn't matter where they come from sometimes the signs are in multiple different languages welcoming immigrants and so on all of which i you know heartily embrace but as tom frank points out none of them say you know a person working full-time should earn a living wage for there's nothing economic at all right these are issues that bind us all that a sick person should be able to get medical care uh totally absent you know the severing which to me is and i'm sure i've mentioned it in our conversations before seems to me very recent in our history the sort of severing of a person's situation uh, ec- uh, demographically from their economic state is it seems to me uh, more of division than of unification uh, perhaps by design i don't know and the other thought i had about you know, it just struck me when you were talking about the fact that all the streets are closed off for these foot races, as you say, that a very small number of people relative to the entire population participate in, and yet it gets this massive support and, uh, from the from financial and, and logistical from the cities and so on. Uh, it strikes me the other thing about racing as opposed to, let's say, celebrating labor is that racing by nature is an individualistic, rather than a collective activity, and it's c- competitive rather than collaborative. So it seems as if, again, whether consciously or not, what we choose to celebrate or what our leaders choose to have us celebrate uh, seems to be more designed in ways that, that divide rather than in ways that unite. Make sense?
1: Absolutely. But I, I wouldn't shy away from taking the next step in the logic of everything you just said. I don't think this is purely accidental or purely some kind of social mentality. I think that the business community of the United States was horrified by what happened in the 1930s, by a movement of this country's working class uh, to be a powerful political force, which it was, to go to the president of the United States at that time, Roosevelt, and demand things for working people which they did and he as a politician knew he had to give them or else he wouldn't be the president anymore i mean in a in a space of a handful of years we got the social security system we got unemployment compensation we got the first minimum wage and we had a government jobs program that employed 15 million people. I mean, a, a collection of benefits from the government that only a unified political force based in and about the labor movement could ever have done, which is why it's the only time anything comparable to that happened in American history. Since that time, the corporations have understood you better undermine disorganize split apart the labor movement because look what it can do if it is unified if it does have political parties working alongside labor unions to mobilize the working class as a class and i think that we are suffering from the success of the interpretive an intentional movement after the Great Depression and the war, the Second World War were over to use the next 50 years as they did to destroy the labor movement, to make us go from 35% of our union, of our workers being in unions to the 10% roughly that are in them now. Uh, all of that, including the disappearance of Labor Day parades is a program that has to be reversed. Look, I'm very impressed, as are many Americans on all sides, not only by the unionization that's going on, the strikes that are happening, but the gains that they're winning. The UPS workers basically got seven and a half, eight percent, depending on a little bit how you count it, wage increase. Uh, for some workers, considerably more than that. Uh, those are very imp- impressive numbers. But here I'm an economist, so I have to remind people, great as those gains were, if you stand them against the inflation we've had for the last two years, they're basically successful catch-up. But they're not enhancing the resources that working-class families have. They're not making it easier. They're making it less harder than it was. But they're not catching up to things they had years ago the minimum wage today is seven dollars and a quarter per hour it hasn't been changed since 2009 that is an abuse of the lowest paid workers in our communities that is beyond outrageous prices have risen by my calculation 25 minimum 25 percent since 2009 in the case of food more than that and we haven't raised that wage neither republicans nor democrats that shows you that the labor movement is incredibly underrepresented in the halls of power that is a terrible loss And even if you're strong enough in a Teamsters union or a United Auto Workers union to play catch up and to win big raises that allow you to keep up with big price increases, if you want a better deal for the working class, then you're going to have to go much further than you have gone even in those successful situations. We have to talk about a mobilization that can bring real basic change to the United States uh, as a society, the majority of whose people are wage-earning laborers, whatever other titles they covet for themselves.
0: And that's, uh, you know, that to me is analogous to the conversations I sometimes have about health policy, which, you know, I have some background in with people who, for example, a year ago or so were celebrating the fact that for the first time in quite a while, uh, healthcare inflation was not outpacing general inflation. And this was a big win, we were told. Big win. I guess it was a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, my reaction was, oh, people are already, one, first of all, but the share that's being transferred from employers to employees for working people has increased far greater than uh than inflation so you're already not counting the household impact of of uh, of this inflation you're going by the very you know, kind of old-fashioned model of benefits as uh withheld wages and so on but secondly that if you're underwater to begin with 10 feet underwater and someone comes to you and says hey good news you're only five feet underwater now you're still drowning. <laughs> And to me, that's the state best case of, you know, a lot of the working class. And I wonder... In terms of all this, where monetary policy fits in, because you see unions starting to win concessions, the railroads, you know, Biden had to come in and water it down somewhat. But but you see unions, uh, they're beginning to get some concessions. You see the UPS thing, you know, seem to be writing on the wall. And then you see at the same time for the past year or so, however long it's been, uh, the Fed has been tightening monetary rates almost as if to say well you know workers have it a little too good they have a little bit too too much clout we're going to see if we can't make them a little more desperate a- a- am i uh being paranoid there or no it's, th- well,
1: it's well understood across the economics profession left right and center that if you raise interest rates during an inflation the whole point and purpose is to make it more expensive to borrow That means many individuals who might have borrowed at a lower rate will borrow less at a higher rate. That means they will be able to afford to buy less. That will force employers to lay off workers since they can't sell as much as they used to. And then we'll have more unemployment. And that will frighten workers who will not press for higher wages. That's contained in every textbook uh, of either labor economics or macroeconomics, and is understood as what's going on. By By the way, that's why raising interest rates never was and is not now the only way to deal with an inflation. Price and wage controls are an alternative. They've been used in the United States. They've been used in many other countries. They are available. President Nixon had no problem imposing that in 1971. Roosevelt did in the early 40s, a rationing system, which had the same purpose, to avoid an inflation, which it successfully did. So, yeah, this is an assault by the business community on the working class, masqueraded as some neutral policy of controlling the inflation we all say we don't want. That's a game, That's a game of making general and neutral what is a very biased and very partisan attack on the working class. No one should be fooled. If I could add one other thing. Once upon a time, labor unions understood and were not afraid to admit that what they were there to do was get a better deal for the workers from the employer than the workers could get individually. That's why they call it a union. That's why they call what they do collective bargaining, rather than individual bargaining. But in the old days, unions went another step further. They sat across from the table of the employer and they said with a grin, you know, if you don't give us a better deal, You and I both know, you employers and we do, that there is another way to organize this factory or his store or this office. We could become a worker co-op in which we, the workers, own and operate this business. You guys are out of the picture. Don't push us beyond where we are willing to go. Because our pushback will not just be to raise the wage we get, but it's to change the system, because that's, in the end, what we need. And in case that sounds bizarre to you, it shouldn't, because that's been the history of the human race. At a certain point, slaves stop demanding from their employer, give us better food, give us better clothing, give us better housing no no they looked at the master and they said if you don't give us these things we have another option and here in america we call that abolition no more slavery right and you know the working class has the same opportunity now that it did back then and can look forward to the same system change as perhaps being the better way to do what's in the interests
0: of labor. And that is, in effect, a revolution in the working place. And if you don't like that, then maybe you don't like the American Revolution, Mm -hmm. where, you know, people said, why are we sending you so much of our profit now we can talk about the you know uh, injustices in the american revolution they're plentiful but but uh the principle you know why is this third party and it's now participating in our society collecting from it doesn't strike me as that that different I, 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 and i also wanted to talk a little more about what i think working people by and large have yet to recognize which is the ex- of their own power i think for example of what were called the green bands in brisbane australia in the 1970s where the local of the i think building and trade association one of the you know, builders building uh craftspeople you know, construction workers and so on i don't remember exactly but they said we're not building any more buildings uh if you don't stop destroying the green spaces in this city. And furthermore, we're not building any more buildings unless you hire more women, unless you hire more people of color. And this goes way beyond. I mean, there is nothing wrong with asking for more concessions. That's what people do. I mean, people sometimes in the political discourse here try to shame unions for asking for more concessions, but that's what it's all. And But they celebrate Trump for the art of the deal. What's the difference? But, but you also have the power of workers to say, to rewrite the social contract. And it, it seems to me that that offers a lot of promise for the future. I mean, obviously we have legal impediments, like Taft-Hartley or whatever, but it seems to me that, that workers can not only improve their own workplace, but by banding together across workplaces can conceivably Uh, change society for the better
1: yeah not only do i agree but i think there's a political implication that back in the 1930s what we nowadays call social movements were in many cases absorbed within the socialist and or communist parties they were the ones fighting for example uh fighting many of the battles against white supremacy or, or racial discrimination. Uh, they were in the, in the head of pushing for the women's right to vote even earlier, et cetera, et cetera. Now we have, because those movements, socialist and communist, were made evil and bad and demonized, so we have the movements, brought, you know, divided up, uh, uh, a feminist movement, an anti-racist movement, an ecological movement. But the lesson of the 30s was when you unified the labor movement and the social movements through the alliance of the unions, the socialists, and the communist parties, what was called the New Deal coalition, they had the power. And what you're saying is, look. Brisbane is an example where you bring an ecological movement and consciousness together with a labor movement and consciousness. You bring them together, you can achieve things neither one of those movements alone and by themselves could ever do. This is a powerful lesson. Breaking up the socialist and communist parties had much less to do with evil Russia, Soviet Union. It had to do with breaking an alliance here that had showed the American people what an alliance of social movements and labor unions can bring. Social security, unemployment compensation, minimum wage, and public jobs. And even the assault of the business community that got rid of the socialists and communists and split up the social movements has been unable, although it has tried, to get rid of social security and unemployment compensation. Those have been held on even through the, the horrors of the rollback of the labor movement. Imagine then what could be achieved If the unity we saw in the 1930s could be reconstructed now, if the implicit threat that beyond capitalism there lies an economy based on worker cooperatives and that they better be aware that that's not a pie in the sky, that's an alternative. Just like freeing the slaves was a real alternative that one day became You know, with the the Emancipation Proclamation, the law of the land. Well, you can't just emancipate slaves. You can emancipate what some of us have called the wage slaves of our time here and now
0: well and that to me seems the way toward the future and i don't know in closing i don't know if you've heard this song richmond north of richmond that everyone's talking about but yes this guy is not educated uh, politically and he uh, this country singer and he uh you know he takes shots at people on welfare eating too much and that's a bigoted trope and i I understand all of that but i've seen reaction videos as they call them on youtube of people watching when he sings about working long hours for bull blank pay and black people white people young people old people uh and when he talks about the dollar ain't worth blank and they all are electrified by it so i think that uh, the blowback against that song uh they focus on the you know the race painting which which i don't dismiss but they miss as they've missed in the past the opportunity to recognize an opportunity to educate and uh, build class solidarity across racial lines i guess that's my final thought for labor day but what's yours if it?
1: well i'd like to pick up on that too I'd put it, put the same thought in slightly different language. If the left wing in America is unable or unwilling to put together the anti-corporate, anti-capitalist impulses together with the anti-racist and anti-other commitments of the left, then they leave that kind of combination to the right they they allow the 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 racists to appear to be sympathetic to working people and if you do that you can't really be surprised if working people looking for the allies they know they need go to where the olive branch the offering is handed to them if you want a, a a democratic party that can hold on to the working class you better go in the direction of Bernie Sanders and AOC and the others. Because if you don't, then that that anti-capitalism that is growing everywhere around us in this country will go to the right as the more likely partner. And that should surprise no one. But it should hopefully mobilize inside the American left a greater respect for and a greater need to build coalitions with the labor movement and with the insurgencies that are now so
0: alive within it. Well, we'll have to conclude on that note, but it's an excellent one. Again, uh, my guest, Richard Wolff, as always, thanks for coming on the program and uh, have a happy Labor Day. Same to you and many more god willing or whomever uh yes. and we'll be right back after this i'm richard rj Escal, and you're listening to the zero hour